Amen. Thank you, Brother Baker. Let's turn our Bibles tonight, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. I did a really dumb thing this week. Thanks for your support. (laughs) Say it's not so. No. Uh, I never lock my office. I I never do because I you know it's a, there's a conference room and there's some I want people to be able to go in there and counsel after a service if they need to, and uh, because I never lock it, I didn't know the battery was dying on the lock, and then somebody locked it, and so now the battery's dead and I can't get in my office. So my sermon is sitting on my desk, and so I I spent this afternoon and and prepared some other thoughts because it's pretty hard to try to remember everything. It was a sermon I actually prepared about three months ago, and I never got an opportunity to preach it, so I don't remember it well enough to, to pull those thoughts together. So uh, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 5. There's just some things I was reading this week, and the Lord burned my heart about it, and I was probably going to end up preaching it down the road anyway, and so I sat down this afternoon and prepared a sermon. And so pray for us as we're locked out of our office right now. I am locked out of my office. 1 Samuel chapter 4, 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to read the entire chapter. It's um, I, I say that, and because I have large print, it looks like a lot. It's probably not much in your Bible. But let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 4. And uh, we're going to actually move into chapter 5 as we progress. But I need you to get the background of this story in 1 Samuel chapter 4 as well. The Bible says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle, and pitched beside Ebenezer, And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. Understand this. Anytime in the Bible when we see that Israel suffers a great defeat, it's often because they're not in tune with God. Achan had touched of the accursed thing and 3,000 men died as a result. And so we see that theme repeated throughout the Bible that when we're not in tune with God, we are not living victoriously. And that was true with Israel as well. And so they went out to battle against the Philistines out by Ebenezer, and there the Philistines defeated them. And the Bible says in verse 3, And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Why did this happen? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark... Of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines. 
that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. If you've never read this passage before, you're thinking things are about to change for Israel. But notice what the Bible says. They fetched the Ark of the Covenant from Shiloh and they brought it into the camp and the Philistines feared in such a way they said we must quit ourselves like men and we must fight before we don't want to be the slaves to the Hebrews. The Bible says the Philistines smote Israel. And the Bible says in verse 10, and they fled every man into his tent and there was a very great slaughter for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. There ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent. And with earth upon his head, he was in mourning. And when he came low, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside, watching for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, All the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the voice, a noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there hath been also a great slaughter among the people, and the two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he had made mention of the ark of God, that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel 40 years. His daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman The women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you tonight, and we thank you again. Lord, it's so good to sing those songs that we know, that we know, that we know that we are born again. Lord, I hope everybody tonight with confidence can say that they know. God did not send a spirit of delusion to us, but instead he wrote the word of God that we might know that we have eternal life. And I pray, Lord, that some might get that settled tonight. Father, as we look at 1 Samuel 4 and 5, we pray that you would illuminate the scripture. May the Holy Spirit of God teach us and help us tonight, we pray. And Lord, I need your filling. And the Spirit of God might touch each heart in life and teach us something tonight. So help us, we pray. 
And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, we read an account of Israel going to war. As I mentioned before, there was many times that Israel went to war, and often if they failed in battles because they were not right with God, they were not seeking the Lord's face, they became prideful. In the case of Achan, they became covetous, and they disobeyed the very clear commands of the Lord. And again, they go to battle, and this time against the Philistines. And I learned today, as I looked up the Philistines, the Philistines were descendants from Egypt. Their family had originated on the island of Crete, and these people would come. They were Aegean in, in nationality or European, and they, would, they came into Egypt, and there they started a settlement. And as they grew, they moved out of Egypt up the coast, and there they started the country of Philistia. As a matter of fact, there was five brothers that were the founding fathers of the nation. And there was five primary cities in the Bible that you'll read about, Ashdod and Gath and others. And these were the founders of those five cities, these five brothers. It's interesting as we read, the Bible says the Philistines encouraged their armies by saying, we don't want to be slaves to the Hebrews like they were slaves to us. That is a throwback to their Egyptian heritage when the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt. For up until this point, you will not find that Israel was ever a slave to Philistia. The Philistines had never taken them as a nation hostage as of this point. And so they're referring back to that time in Egypt and it rallied the troops and they understood what God had done in the, in the wilderness and they went out and they fought this great battle and they defeated them a second time. But I want you to look, notice some things as we work our way through scriptures. And notice in 1 Samuel chapter 4, if you will, in verse 3, we notice, first of all, what the ark meant to the Israelites. Now, let me, let me say this. The ark of the covenant of the Lord, we understand it, that it was the, the significant in the fact that it signified the presence of the Lord. We understood that. It was a symbol, and it signified the presence of the Lord. On top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat, and between the, the wings of those cherubs, the Lord would descend in the Holy of Holies, and he would meet with the great high priest right there on that mercy seat. It signified the presence of the Lord. The Israelites would carry the Ark into battle. You'll remember that as they crossed the River Jordan, they first the priests that were carrying the Ark would step foot in the water, and the waters piled up so they could cross on dry ground. You'll remember as they circum uh, went around the, uh, the city of Jericho, they carried the ark and quietly walked before the armies. And as the people of Jericho stood upon the walls and they could see the ark of the covenant, they knew that God was with the people of Israel. But unfortunately, something changed in the heart of Israel. And I want you to notice the language that we see in verses 3 through 5. It's, it's very important to our lesson tonight. Look what the Bible says in verse 3. And when the people were coming to the camp, they've just lost the battle. They've just been smitten by the Philistines and they were slew the army about, the Bible says, 4,000 men. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Why did this happen? Let us, listen to this. Fetch the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when what? It cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. 
I think the Israelites would have been wiser if they said, let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant that he might save us out of the hand of our enemies. You see, something happened in the heart of Israel. They were no longer trusting in the God of the Ark. They were trusting in the Ark itself. Understand this. An idol to God is still an idol. And that's what the Ark of the Covenant had become. To the Israelites, they thought, if we just get this ark, if we just get this lucky charm, if we just grab that gold box and we carry it into battle, it will save us and it will deliver us. But friends, it's not the ark, it's the God of the ark that delivers us. And their focus was wrong and they put it like an idol before them and God would teach them an important lesson and 30,000 men would die as a result of their idolatry. Look at verse 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from the thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were with the ark uh, of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. Friends, listen, let me ask you this. When Israel went into battle and the ark of the covenant was sitting in the holy of holies in Shiloh, does that mean that God was not with them? God had sent them into battle many times before. God had gone before them in a pillar of fire and a cloud all through the wilderness for 40 years. But they had turned that ark into an idol. God was surely with them if they just simply called upon him. If they would humble themselves, if they would sanctify themselves, if they would go to battle in the name of the Lord, but instead they chose this ark, this idol, this thing The yes was a representation of God, but was not God. They didn't need the ark. They needed the God of the ark. Let me show you the Philistines' reaction. We see what Israel thought of the ark, but look what it says in verse 6. When the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come to the camp, and the Philistines were afraid, for they said, What? God is come into the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods. Now, they didn't have an understanding, obviously, of the one true God. But they had more respect for the God of the ark than the Israelites did. They said, Who is this God? These are the gods. These are the mighty gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. And it became their rallying cry in verse 9, Be strong and quit you like men. O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Bible says in verse 10, the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten. They fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter for their fellow of Israel, 30,000 Footmen. Well, we know the rest of the story of chapter 4. The Bible says a young man fled from the battle and he returned uh, to uh, Shiloh. And there he ran into the camp and he told everybody what had happened. And there was a great cry that went up and Eli heard the cry. He called for the young man and the young man came and he said, the Bible says in verse 14, and when Eli heard the noise of the crying, He said, what meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. And now Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, 
I'm he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, what is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. Now notice Eli's reaction. It's kind of interesting, really. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God, not his son's dying, when he made mention of the ark, that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he judged Israel for 40 years. Eli's reaction was not of great concern when Hophni and Phinehas' sons were dead, but when the ark of God was taken, the Bible says when he heard of the ark, he fell down dead. His daughter-in-law was about to give birth. And she named the child Ichabod for the glory of God is departed. So now the Philistines have the ark. And I want you to notice in chapter 5, and we'll get to the crux of the message in a moment. We're just giving you some introduction. Notice what the Philistines did with the ark. The Bible says they returned to a city called Ashdod, one of those five principal cities of the Philistines. And he says, and the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer, where the battle took place, unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by. You say, who is Dagon? Dagon was their god. It was an idol. You'll find out that in the next verse. It says, when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. Now understand what is happening. The Philistines carry the ark back to this place called Ashdod, and they go into the house of Dagon, which we understand to be just a temple to a false god. And there was an idol in there, Dagon, and he was sitting up there, and I suppose they would go in and maybe offer sacrifice to him, and they would pray before Dagon, and if they had a need, they'd go and ask Dagon for those things and bring him, you know, treats to appease the God and all the rest. And and so they had this temple set up, and there was Dagon, and they took the ark, and they set it right up there beside their false god. The next morning when they woke up, Dagon was flat on his face in the presence of the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but that would have awakened me somehow. I would have said, I think the ark represents the true God. Something is going on here. Anybody notice an earthquake last night that might have caused that to fall? No. Why is he on his face? Why is he prostrate before the ark of the covenant of the Lord? But for the Philistines, it didn't seem to awaken their conscience at all. And the Bible says in verse, the very next verse, verse 4, I believe it is, that they set him back up. And when they rose early in the morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And look at this time. And the head of Dagon and both his palms of his hands were cut off. Upon the threshold, only the stump of Dagon was left to him. In other words, God says, listen, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't read. You must have just thought he fell over. But let me tell you. Hey, how how big do you think that idol was? I I, I don't know for sure, but I got an idea that it wasn't just some little thing sitting up on a shelf. A temple was built in his honor. 
It was probably a magnificent statue. Several tons of stone laying flat on its face before the ark. And these men came in and somehow they got it back upright again. And the next morning when they woke up, the Bible says it was fallen again. But this time its head had fallen off and his hands were cut off. He was made powerless before our God. And yet they still didn't learn. And notice what the next verse says. Verse 7. Verse 5, sorry. Therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. But look at verse 6. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod. and He destroyed them and smote them with emeralds, even Ashdod and the coasts thereof. You ever read your Bible and wondered what emeralds were? Keep wondering. I'm gonna, I looked it up this afternoon. I've always kind of known what it was, but I want to get a definition. I won't even share the definition with you. Hemorrhoids is the closest thing we have. It was a tumor that formed, and the Bible calls it in a, in a few moments, you'll see in the secret parts. It was a terrible thing. And uh, kids, you ask Mrs. Fury what this is when you get back to school, all right? I'm not going to explain it any further. You talk to her. But this, this was a, a, a terrible thing to be afflicted with. Ulcers and boils and sores in the secret parts. And God destroyed them. Some died and others suffered with this great plague. And the Bible says in verse 7, here's, here's where we need to really tune in. Listen. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, the ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. They sent therefore, and they gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them, and they said, what shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of the God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. And they carried the ark of the God of Israel out about thither. So understand what's going on again. Here, we've, we've taken the ark of the covenant to Ashdod. I said there's five principal cities of the Philistines, five founding cities. Ashdod was one of them. Gath was another. You might remember the most famous person ever to come from Gath was Goliath of Gath. And it was this city that said, and I, I don't understand how this conversation went. The Bible says the lords of the Philistines. So understand somebody from each of those five principal cities as their government was constructed, got together and said, what are we going to do about this? That the temple of Dagon, he fell to the ground. And then when we set him back up, he fell again. And this time his head and his hands were taken off. And our people are suffering. People are dying and others are affected by these emeralds. And, and we're just in, a, in, a, in a quite a strait here. We don't know what to do. And they got together and somebody said, well, send it to my city. Send it to Gath. That doesn't seem like a reasonable answer to me. I don't know why you would want that same type of plague. But read on what the Bible says. It says in verse 9, and it was so... That after they had carried it about, the hand of the Lord was against the city, against Gath now, with a very great destruction. And he smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had emeralds in their secret parts. Huh, what are we going to do now? 
Look what it says in verse 10. You want to talk about a people that don't learn. Therefore, they sent the ark of God to Ekron. I don't know if they put a bow on it and said Merry Christmas or what, but this, this curse is going around the country, city to city, and the same thing happens in Ekron. And it came to pass as the ark of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out saying they have brought about the ark of the God of Israel to us to slay us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go again to its own place and it slay us not and our people for there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men that died not were smitten with the emeralds, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. You know, it's interesting. If I can take you back to verses three through five, and if you'll give me five or ten minutes, I'll give you the whole crux of the message right here. You know the story. You know about the battles that were failed. You know how they brought this ark in and said, it will save us, not God will save us. And as they fought that next battle, 30,000 died, and the Lord was not pleased with the idolatry. They had leaned upon a, 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 an idol. They had leaned upon something that signified the Lord, but they didn't go directly to the Lord. The Bible says, of course, that they took this ark, the Philistines, and they took it to the city of Ashdod, and they put it in the temple with Dagon, their God, and Dagon bowed before the God of Israel. But I want to ask a couple questions. Notice verse 3 with me again. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning. So another day has passed. Let me ask you this. And I, and I honestly, I don't know the answer 100%. But what if they carry that ark from battle and they put it in the temple and everybody says, now I got to go lick my wounds. I mean, they've just come from a fight, right? They're hurting, they're sore, they've been, they've been, they're covered in blood. They go home to their families and they get cleaned up and they, they get some rest and they go to bed for the night. And the next morning they wake up and somebody goes in the temple and says, you're not going to believe this. Dagon has fallen flat on his face. What if, what if, just one person said, maybe we ought to be following that God instead of this God? What if? Because there was no plague yet. There was no emeralds. Nobody was dying. Just an idol fell down. God struck it down. Even the next day when they went back and the head is laying separate from this, this idol and the hands have been cut off and somebody said, I don't like what's going on here. Maybe we ought to be following the God that has some real power here. Instead of this fake, phony God of stone that bows before the God of Israel. Here's what they did next. The God of Israel does not get along with my idols. What was their answer? Let us send God away. When I read that, I thought, oh man, isn't that me? Isn't that you? 
We all got those idols, don't we? And when they don't line up with God's will for our lives, what do we do? We push God away. Let's send God to Gath. Let's send them over to Ekron. Let them deal with God. They, that's good for those people over there, but I'm going to hold on to my idols. This idol Dagon was fallen and dead. His head was broken off. His hands were cut from his body. And yet they still chose him over the God of Israel. I got to tell you, there's so many thousands of applications we could make right here. But I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to make some applications. That we would examine our lives and say, God, what is, what is that idol that I got? And it's just not lining up with what you want for my life. It's interfering with my worship of you. It's interfering with the time I spend with you. It's keeping me from spending that time in the word of God and praying like I ought to pray. And it's keeping me from going to church. And it's keeping me from encouraging the brethren. And it's keeping me from doing the service of the Lord. What is that idol? And how many times have we said, God, I don't have time for you because I'm holding on to my idol. I don't know about you, but that's what I saw in this passage. A people that God clearly demonstrated to them, I'm the true God. <laughs> this, this Dagon, you come back tomorrow, you're going to see him bowing down at my feet. You come back the next day and you'll see I'll cut his head off, man. I'm not going to fool around with that guy. He's just a God of stone. He has no power. He's nothing. But how often do we choose that over God? They say, oh, but these were a bunch of pagan Philistines. These pagan Philistines already saw what God could do in the wilderness. They talked about it. They said, isn't this not the God that smote the Egyptians in the wilderness? Is this not the God of great power? He's a mighty, they, they literally call him a mighty God. We better quit us like men and we better fight now before they have their wits about them. We better attack now because we're going to lose this battle. I believe they went into that fight believing they were going to lose, but they fought it nonetheless because of courage. And when God comes to them and says, hey, by the way, I am really God, they say, we don't have time for you, God. Let's send you to Gath. Let's send you to Ekron. Let's, let's just push you out of our lives. And finally, after the third city, they said, we better send God back to where he came from. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying the Philistines had any right over the ark. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that they had an opportunity for a revival. They had an opportunity to bow to the true God. They had an opportunity to cast their idols out and dedicate that temple to the Lord and, and to begin to worship him and to make him the first person in their lives. And, and probably as God changed their hearts, they would have taken that ark back to Israel and said, man, you've got something great right here. God bless you. We don't know how the story would have turned out because they made the wrong choice. And instead of choosing God, 
they choose to hold on, hold on to the idols. Let me say this. First Samuel chapter five, verses three and four. Can I, here's another application for you. Listen, your idol's gonna fall down anyway. Your idol's gonna fall down before God anyway. Its head's gonna fall off. Its arms are gonna be broken free. Your God, your idol, is gonna fall down. Listen, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What is that idol? What is that thing? Hey, why don't you choose God? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Challenge our hearts tonight, we pray. Thank you for this simple thought. Lord, that causes each one of us to think and examine and consider those idols in our lives. Perhaps it's an idol of sin. Perhaps it's an idol of distraction. The idol of achievement and money. The idol of fame. Of all very general terms, Lord, there's so many applications underneath them. But Lord, what is keeping us from you? God, this passage spoke to my heart tonight and it breaks my heart to think of how many times I've put other things before the time I should spend with you. But I've pushed you aside. I'm no better than the Philistines who send God away when he doesn't line up with our idols. How foolish to think that we could put anything beside God. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand tonight and to get this simple thought. Those idols are all going to be torn down anyway. Why don't we give them up willingly to the Lord? Help us and speak to our hearts now, we pray, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And if God has spoke to your heart, the altar's open. Would you do business with the Lord tonight?